to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Esports Now Network. I'm Jared Pregard. He is Kevin Quigley. Kevin, first, we're going to start out by a little memoriam uh, in, in memory of Bob Knight, um, a longtime coach, NCAA coach, three-time NCAA champion before the age of 50, notorious for just an absolute winning coach, crazy human being. He really was one of the best coaches of all time. I, I, he's on my Mount Rushmore with John Wooden and and Dean Smith. But, man, it, it, you knew it was coming, but it, it's sad to see him go. Yep. Passed away earlier today, 83 years old, sixth all-time winningest, winningest coach in, in, in NCAA college basketball. Really known for also as a short fuse, throwing chairs. I'm sure that it was that real, man. That's the beauty of it, right? Pure, pure emotion. Maybe not always pointing in the right direction, but a legend nonetheless. And favorite quote: I had to shout out a friend for this one. When my time on Earth is gone, and this is this is the general. When my time is on Earth is gone, and my activities here are past, I want them to bury me upside down, and my critics can kiss my ass. So rest in peace, Bob Knight. That's right. We'll throw a chair in your memory, but. Enough about Coach Knight and what he was he's done for college basketball. Obviously, it, it's Maryland, Maryland, Maryland. Um, and Penn State is off to College Park this weekend. It's a game that a couple of weeks ago we thought was going to be a little bit tougher than what I think it's going to be. Um, I, I do think that it, it's Penn State is going to win, and I think they're going to win a lot more cleaner than they did against Indiana. I think it's going to be um, a double-digit score um, differential, and we'll get to that here in the third segment. But I, I do think that Penn State handles Maryland pretty easily. I I don't think it's as easy as you think it is. Um, Maryland has a tendency to be a really good first quarter team, really good first half team in general. And uh, Penn State would be on the road. Drew Aller has not performed well on the road. And they haven't performed well in the first quarter, much less the first half. So, there is a chance, I think, on Saturday that Maryland comes out hot, especially if Penn State defers and Maryland gets the ball right away. They got that gold out going. I'm not sure how that's going to do for crowd atmosphere. But this is a game where it would not surprise me if Penn State's down 7 nothing, maybe even 10, 14 nothing. Um, maybe not at the end of the first quarter, but Maryland could put together two drives to start this game before Penn State's offense really has a tendency to take off. And if that happens, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button, but I think a lot of fans watching that game, it's going to be a three thirty kick. I think there's gonna be a lot of fans pooping their pants. If they're watching and all of a sudden Penn stays down 10, nothing. And it's not that they can overcome that, but I think it's a definite possibility. Yeah. You know, in the month of October, uh, Maryland has, has struggled. Um, they did not score other than their game against Northwestern here last week is the first time they scored more than 14 points in the first half. Um, prior to October though, they were on a, on, they were on a little bit of a tear. They were, I, I believe they were, they were on the cusp of, on the cusp of being ranked. Um, but the issue is it's the typical, you, they get through the, the easy slate early. I mean, they didn't, I mean, they had Towson, Charlotte, Virginia, um, Michigan state, in Indiana to start the season. Um, and then they played Ohio state. They were exposed. Uh, and then they had Illinois who they lost to. And then they also lost to, to Northwestern. So 
when you kind of look at things in the grand in that aspect, it's a tale of two months for them. But it's a tale of two months because they played vastly different competition against better competition. And I wouldn't even say that Illinois and I mean Illinois and Maryland are probably better or and Northwestern are better competition than I would say Virginia and, and Michigan or Michigan State. But you know, it, it, it's a tale of two tale of two months. And and I'm very interested to see what Maryland team shows up Saturday because if it's the one that's shown up the last few weeks, I don't think this game is is going to be close. They've lost um, one possession games to Northwestern and to to Illinois, and they got beat by twenty by Ohio State. So what was once a, a really good matchup, I know at one point in the in the um, in the recording of this, which we're we're we have to talk about this too, Kevin. It's it's now a year of these podcasts. By the way, yes, it um, is. I that popped up in my memories uh, on Facebook just um, I think earlier today, actually. But but yeah, I mean, at, at one point they were five and zero, oh, um, five and one after Ohio State, and since then things have gotten a little squirrely for the Terrapins. They were up ten nothing on Ohio State, so. I, I, that's why I say it's, it would not surprise me if they cut out to a lead. I don't think they'll get, they'll be competitive for the entire game. I think Penn state should have the ability to extend this out and should be able to escape college part with not escape. They should be able to leave college part with a win. The, the issue is, is Maryland does start fast and will the panic button be pressed by the coaching staff? I don't think so. I think, I mean, they're watching the same things we're watching, and they know that Maryland starts fast, and it's just be, hey, take that punch. If the defense gives up a touchdown early, offense, you better be ready to go. Like, we we can't take four drives to get a first down. Um, We can't be dinking and dunking. We need a couple plays. We need to get Katron Allen going. We need Nick Singleton going. They're going to need to be balanced on offense, slow down a Maryland pass rush, because like James Franklin mentioned this week, if you're in obvious pass rush situations or obvious pass situations, you're in obvious pass rush situations. They're just going to tee off on you. And that's why the offensive line hasn't looked the greatest. So be successful on first down, be successful on second down, get into manageable third downs and you can do whatever the heck you want, or don't even get to third down. How about you get first downs on first and second down? Like they've been failing to do the last few weeks as well. So Penn state should have the ability to air it out, but they could go down early. I, I do still think they'll win, but just something to be cautious about. And now, their offense, their offense really Maryland's offense isn't really something they faced either this year. It's really the first true spread that they played. I wouldn't good, I wouldn't call Ohio State a spread in their current a, iteration. That's a good point, Kevin. Now I will say this. This is a Penn State defense that Maryland hasn't seen because this defense is going to be hungry. They struggled at times. Um, over the course uh, or against the Hoosiers and they are going to be feasting. They are, are really going to get after it. Um, I think the message was loud and clear. That's not acceptable for Penn State defense. And I'm looking forward to seeing their performance on Saturday as well. And that's why I don't think that Maryland is going to get out to the start that you think they are solely because this is a Penn State defense that is going to get after it. Now that could be wrong. Things could change, but I do strongly believe that this is a hungry defense and it, it's a, a, a hunger that we really haven't seen in quite some time. 
Yeah, I, I don't think Maryland will be ready for the redemption that this entire team will be after. They came out after the loss to Ohio State, really kind of laid an egg to start against Indiana. And really, that whole game was an egg, but they got the job done. Maryland came off their bye week and absolutely laid an egg by losing at Northwestern. But that's that's Maryland. Like Maryland has a tendency to lose those games, but Penn State is going to come out hungry. And if they come out fired up, if Maryland wants the ball first or Penn State defers and they try to go down and score, let's see what that defense does. Let's see what DDS does. I, I don't think Chop Robinson will be available. He was not in practice today. Um, but Adisa Isaac, Deny Denton and Sutton, the rest of the defense, Abdul, Curtis Jacobs, I, they're going to be out for redemption. They kind of got embarrassed last week, especially giving up those two massive plays. So, Excuse me, I, I, you're right. It was not an acceptable performance. I'm pretty sure Manny Diaz got on him by the way James Franklin was talking his weekly presser this week. So, yeah, it is a defense that's going to be out and it's going to be hungry. So I think the whole team will. And, yeah, if they come out that hungry and they come out with a focused energy, maybe Maryland doesn't extend that lead out. But just something to caution. Maryland has a tendency to come out successful in the first two drives of the game. And then Talia has a tendency to screw that all up. Right, and I think the other thing, too, is this is going to be a pseudo-home game for Penn State. As much as they want to make this a yellow out or a gold rush or whatever you want to call it, typically at College Park, these games are very heavily attended by Penn State fans. It's a quick trip for many in central Pennsylvania. you got a lot of Penn State representatives in the DMV and the Philly area. This is going to look just like another Penn State home game or sound like it as well, but that's again, that's why they play the game. It'll be interesting to see really how it plays out, but we're going to talk a little bit more about where this, where the Nittany Lions fell in the rankings in a college football playoff. When we come back for the second segment of the lashing out podcast, for the sports now network. segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, Penn State is number nine in the other in the AP poll. But the AP poll doesn't really matter now. The college football playoff poll came out uh, Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken. No, today is Wednesday. We're recording on Wednesday. It came out on Tuesday night. Um, and Penn State found themselves not at number nine, but at number 11, which I thought was kind of interesting um given everything you know ohio state came in at number one they've had the two biggest wins i think when you look at it as far as the resume goes they beat notre dame and they beat penn state you know one on the road one at home so i think that there's value in that do i think they're the best team in the country no absolutely not resume wise i think they do have have georgia that department um Michigan has played nobody, and if they have played anybody, Connor Stallions was at the game, and so that's a little bit different. Um, now, the College Football Selection Committee did say that they are not considering that because it's an NCAA and Big Ten matter, not a CFP matter. Well, let me tell you, that matters here in this situation, too, because to me, Michigan probably doesn't des- shouldn't play in the playoff if that were to be the case if all of these rumors are to be true. Um, And then you've got your favorite team, Florida State, at number four. Um, 
Washington, Oregon, Texas above both Alabama and Oklahoma. If we remember correctly, Oklahoma beat Texas. Miss they got Ole Miss at ten and Penn State at number eleven, and then Mizzou at twelve. You know, running out the top fifteen, I guess we might as well. We got Louisville, LSU, and Notre Dame. So there are some like Notre Dame and LSU that I think are warranted. They're the top two two lost teams. Um, at seven and one is Louisville, uh, Missouri, Penn State, Mississippi, Ole Miss. I guess I should say Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas, and Oregon. Oregon's going to figure itself out here. The Pac-12 always sorts itself out this time of time of year. But you know, the the beauty of the CFP is that they don't have a rhyme or reason for what they do ever. No, and the the argument for Ohio State being number one is resume. I mean, arguably beating Penn State's probably the best win in the country this year. Maybe Washington can stake that claim with beating Oregon. Uh, Both of those games were home teams for the victorious side. The question is, is if resume matters that much, you alluded to it. Why is Texas ranked above Oklahoma? I... Kansas is the 21st ranked team in the country. I think if they beat Oklahoma, they should probably be ranked higher. I mean, would Kansas beat USC? Probably. So you at least put them in the top 20. They'd probably beat Utah, Tennessee, Oregon State. Those are the Pac-12 is, I mean, they've got a lot of teams in the top 25. They got four teams from 16 to 20. It's, It's just confusing to me. Ole Miss comes out of nowhere. They're 11th in the AP. They jump Penn State. They're a three-point favorite at home versus Texas A&M this weekend. Texas A&M is 5-3 and three and not even sniffing the top 25. Like, it's it's confusing, but there's, what, well, three, four weeks left in the season. Ole Miss has to play Georgia, and Penn State has to play Michigan. So none of this stuff matters. It's how ESPN wanted this thing to stack up. They wanted a, they wanted a tenth ranked team in Ole Miss, who happens to have a game this weekend on ESPN at noon, so they can call that a top ten team. Um, they've got Georgia next week, so should Ole Miss win, maybe they jump Oklahoma, maybe they jump Alabama. Then you get a top eight matchup, two versus eight, what have you, next week. So I I think there's a lot here, uh, but it is week one of the ESPN poll. I did see a stat though that Ohio State. I think I think there's only been seven teams ranked number one in the CFP era, um, and that Ohio State and Michigan have been ranked in every CFP poll uh, ever, um, and they continued their streaks. I think they're both sitting at 55, if I'm not mistaken. So very confusing. I don't think Penn State's number 11. There's a lot of season left, and if Penn State takes care of business. They don't have to worry about it. The problem is Penn State loses to Michigan. They'll have a loss versus the number one and the number three team ranked in the country, and they'll probably drop them down to like 18, which doesn't make sense because if you are if you can't beat number one, you can't beat number three, that means you're probably the fourth or fifth best team in the country. So right. it's, it's such a toss-up right now, right? Like you want to talk about resume, if Penn State's only losses to the right right now, the number one team in the country. Um, and the CFP, they should be a little bit higher than 11, I think. Um, I think there's vac- they, it was a one-possession game. So they're, it, it's just bizarre. I mean, it, it's exactly how ESPN gets it, right? Or how ESPN wants it. 
because ultimately if Georgia loses, um, then Michigan slides up to number two and we get a one versus two matchup at the end of the season, you know, the regular season, Florida state, God knows what's going to happen to them. Um, you know, Washington has got a tough sled, um, in the pac 12 as that kind of dials back up, but it, it's just going to be one of those situations now where, where are these teams going to fall, right? Like where, where are these teams going to fall in line because there's so much that can happen between now and the rest of the season. We have really four weeks until um, championships start. So it'll be really interesting to see what comes next. There's a, I'm looking at, we haven't quite quite, quite gotten to this, but it's an interesting co- topic because I started looking at their schedule. USC could finish the year at seven and five. With their defense, I wouldn't be shocked. Their defense is absolutely terrible. They probably should have lost over this weekend. They they should have lost this weekend. They did lose to Arizona. Or they should have lost to Arizona. Or they had a chance to lose at Arizona. Lost to Notre Dame. Lost to Utah. They play Washington at home. They're at Oregon on the road. Obviously at on the road. And then home against UCLA to finish out the season. Yeah. That's that's three very real losses, and you're looking at a team that was once what number four, number five in the country. They were up there, and, and we both dead. said that we they probably shouldn't have been up there. They probably shouldn't have been up there, but but you look uh, at Washington, right? Washington has the USC, like you mentioned. They have Utah, and then they have Oregon State, and then they get Washington State in the Apple Cup at the end, and then they have to play. If they make it that far, undefeated, then they get the um the Pac-12 championship. So, I mean, there's just so much at stake here and, and that can happen. And, I mean, yeah, it's week number one, and this is the exact reason why they started doing this. Like, we're talking about it, right? We can't not talk about it. You know, Penn State, I thought, was a little undervalued at 11. And and then this is – a and James Franklin talked about this Wednesday after practice. He is not – like, people look at wins so very differently depending on who is winning, right? You know, every team has an ugly win, um, Penn State's win against Indiana was ugly. They had a loss against Ohio State that wasn't very pretty. But because James Franklin loses that big game all the time, it's a little bit more magnified when he loses to Ohio State or things don't go well. Is, well, or, or the wheels falling off the bus. No, they're not. A win is a win. Regardless of who is playing, a win matters. He's never, and he mentioned this, he said, I'm not going to apologize for winning. Like that that is ultimately how people are judged wins and losses he has one loss that loss is to Ohio State yeah was it pretty no could they have beat them with any sense of competence on offense absolutely but it's just one of situation like go in win the game and take care of business and for Penn State I think they you know looking at the rest of the schedule that that Michigan game is the is the one that I can see them losing. And I don't know, again, what is it to be expected of Michigan uh, the rest of the way, because they are mired in controversy. And it is not just in, you know, the Connor Stallion stuff it is Harbaugh and recruiting. It is um, the Weiss fella the, or the former offensive coordinator that was being investigated that turned this all upside down. So they're, they are getting hit pretty hard from all kinds of different areas you know, they're a good football team. Now, obviously, they're a lot better because they know what's coming. But how, how is how much is too much when it comes to that moving forward? 
Yeah, I just want to circle back to Penn State before we get into that because I can go down a wormhole in Connor Stallions. Um, I do like what James said in his, in his midweek press conference talking about Devon Elise. The players know that they've not been meeting the standard that Franklin has set. They're taking accountability for it. And Devon Elise, it sounds like he's the ringleader for that. I can't imagine. I can't remember the exact quote that he was that James said that he came out with. But it was like, hey, guys, look, like we laid an egg. That was an ugly win. We need to get better on Sunday to do it. And it sounds like it sounds like when they when they went back to the building on Sunday after the game against Indiana that they were ready to work. So don't sounds it doesn't sound like Penn State's gonna get complacent. I don't expect them to. There's a lot of potential left in this team. There's a month left in the season. And quite frankly, I like the timing of when the ESPN college football rankings come out because it you have a good gauge of who these teams are eight weeks into the season, nine weeks into the season. Versus the AP poll, which is just a shit show from week one. Um, but yeah, circling back to Michigan, they are a good football team. They've got some good players. JJ McCarthy, I think, is a is a better Sean Clifford, and Sean Clifford, it's it's proving to be was a really good college quarterback at this point in time. And he's a guy who might actually even get a look for uh, Green Bay in a couple of weeks because the media buzz around him replacing Jordan Love is starting to starting oh, to circle. Man. So I, that would just be absolutely incredible to see that, Kevin. It would, um, because you know, I was like, I was saying that he probably shouldn't even make the NFL, and uh, that's a that's a well, man that's a man culpa on my side. Yeah, and you know I I don't think I ever said that he shouldn't be in the NFL, but man, I it's going to be just poetic if he ends up being a competent NFL starter um, after twenty five years at Penn State. But but yeah, I mean, there's I I think this is the time of the year where rankings should come out, the AP, the coaches pool. You know, you have such a better sample. You have about half your conference schedule. You have about half your entire non-conference schedule. That's where you find out where your teams are and who your teams are and that sort of thing. But there's still a lot of football to be played. And there are some big games, right? Penn State is, is fortunate. Their schedule kind of gets a little bit easier. Um, they got Maryland and then they've got Michigan. Um, Michigan is at Penn State. It's at Beaver Stadium. And then they're home against Rutgers. And then they've also got Michigan State on the road at Ford Field. So that schedule is, is nice. Um, Michigan's schedule is but as t- as typical. Um, you know, they got Purdue this week. They're at they're at Penn State next week. Then they are at Maryland and home against um, Ohio State. Their strength in the schedule this year is out of the top 100, I think, in the country, which is fast. But, you know, Ohio State, they luck out. Uh, with the rest of their schedule, they've got Rutgers home against Michigan State, home against Minnesota, and then they're at the big house. But that all eyes are on that game, November 25th at noon, a Fox noon game that won't end until Christmas. Um, that's the game that matters, the the game, essentially. You know, that matters for the Big Ten, that matters for, the, for college football playoff. That's the game that matters. The SEC and the Pac-12 are, are all going to sort themselves out. ACC, too. Um, but I don't necessarily think that there's a, a, a Big 12 team that warrants any threat right now because it's also going to figure itself out as well. Yeah, I, I think the, Pac, the Pac-12 has a clear-cut favorite. That's going to be Washington. But Big 12, I I don't know. I really don't know. Texas, Oklahoma, who's better? Texas has a – we can get into the around the top 25, but um, probably in the third segment we should probably get to that. But, yeah, Penn State, 
needs to take care of business against Maryland, and then they need to show out next week against Michigan. They need to get a win, and if they do, everything will sort itself out, and they'll rise in the rankings, and they won't be the they won't be the number eleven ranked team in the country. Right, and that's the thing. You know, there's just so much that can happen right now. Penn State has to take care of business, and if they don't, well, then they don't deserve to be in that in that bowl game. And, and Penn State can take care of business. And if you were calling for Drew Aller to get benched and saying that Bo Perbula needed to be in against Indiana, stop it. Just, just stop it. The guys, the kids, a freshman, it's his first year starting for crying out loud. And you want to throw another guy who's a redshirt freshman at this point in time into the flame? Like, come on, give this guy a chance. He's allowed to have a bad game. So, sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. I was seeing no, a lot that- of lot of negativity on Twitter this week. That's what Twitter is. It's just a cesspool of negativity, but give it's, me a break. It's not always Drew Aller's fault. There's, It's a team sport. There are 11 guys that have to do their jobs, and a, and a lot you know, rides on that. But but no, that by no means, yeah, everybody's entitled to a bad game. Nobody's perfect. Neither is Drew Aller. I think you know when you come in and you're a highly prized, highly touted recruit, all pressure is on you. Everything, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Can you handle it? Some Some don't. And some can't. Again, he's only lost one game as a starter, and it is at Ohio State. We mentioned it last week. Not many teams beat Ohio State, and they haven't beat Ohio State. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but he's got to play better. He knows that. The team knows that. It'll be interesting to see where they continue to fall in the rankings, but there's just so much left to sort out that it'll be interesting to see how these how these rankings go, rankings go week to week. But that's enough talking about this. We will talk a little bit more about a bunch of different things here when we get to the third and final segment of the Launching Out podcast on the Esports Now Network after this break. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Launching Out podcast. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin. If you didn't see that over my shoulder as we're recording, that was Connor Stallions. He was watching all of your signals tonight, much like he was on the Central Michigan sideline. It has been reported. Yeah, he was, that... he was dressed up as Connor Stallions. Yeah, it's it's hard. He's a very uh, he's a very normal looking guy. He looks like a very average Joe, but uh, you put him side by side, it's not a DB Cooper situation. Uh, that guy, that guy does look like him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what his role was on the CMU staff or what he was doing on that sideline with a pass to be able to be in the coach's box on the sideline at a college football game. And if he was employed by central Michigan, if he was getting paid by central Michigan, what was his job description and what made Michigan hire the dude? And if he was an espionage specialist at central Michigan and Michigan calls him and says, Hey, we also need an espionage specialist. Come on down. It's going to look pretty damning. Not that it already doesn't, but it's going to look extra bad for Jim Harbaugh, who's saying, I had no idea that he was spying on him, even though I saw his play sheet of everybody, of all the other team's signs. Uh, so he already doesn't have a good excuse. And the fact that he was probably doing espionage at another university uh, just puts the nail in the coffin. The best part about this is this is from game one this year. That was this year, and I think that is incredible. That is the Michigan State-Central Michigan game. 
um, from this season. And he was in full gear. You know, luckily for him, um, if he's a friend of the Harbaugh's, then he's also a friend of probably Jim McElwain, who also happens to be the head coach at Central Michigan. This was a pretty cut and dry thing. If this wasn't Connor Stallions on the sideline, um, they could have easily depicted that, easily figured it out. The credentialing process for media is very stringent. You need your ID. You need your outlet. You need an active phone number, an active email address. It is much more stringent for coaches, too, because you have your ID picture on there as well, more often than not. So, you know, they knew what they were doing. It is what to what extent were they doing it? And I think that is what they had to figure out. They need if the NCAA needs to expedite this because these are games that happened this year. He is in they were in stands, you know, for a multitude of Penn State games this year. That's Michigan State earlier this year. You know, Ohio State, all of them. That that is a competitive advantage. That's where the issue is. That and he's on the sideline wearing sunglasses at night. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm very sensitive to light. So I can see myself doing that at, at some point with the LEDs. My astigmatism goes crazy, and I'm very sensitive. But his his had a blue light. They were recording. Like, that is ground-level spy-type stuff, and that is incredible. Yeah, he's got he's got the Google spy glasses on, uh, doing his best spy kids impersonation. Uh, but you, you talk about getting credentialed. You only have a certain number of coaches allowed on the sideline in the box on the tarp. And on the headset, too. And so Michigan Michigan would have had to pay Central Michigan probably a pretty penny somewhere under the table. Maybe they funded, like, a couple NIL salaries or whatever. But, like, you got to find how that money went and how, how has Central Michigan and Michigan colluded on this because that doesn't just happen. It, it's right. it's crazy. And, and this is my opinion, but if – they coaches know that coaches are on the sideline. You have to know that they're on the sideline. You might be ignorant to what they're doing on the sideline, but you know who is on your sideline that most of most of the time, right? Before the game, whatever. I know that a lot of coaches are also ignorant to it, but you know. You absolutely know who is where and typically who's doing what. Um and he you is might- in f- full, full gear too. So th- I don't know if he was paid or if they paid them or what, but that might have been Harbaugh, you know, a nice little favor for Stallions. But again, he's got a headset in a lot of his pictures. There are only a select few headsets that are allowed to be two-way headsets where you're talking with offense and talking with defense. That's just kind of the way that it goes, you know, on sidelines. And the NCAA does have, I think, regulations as far as that is concerned. Yeah, I believe it's what forty or fifty coaches. So uh, you are going to know the names of everybody on the sideline. You might not exactly know what every uh, training staff, offensive analyst, defense analyst is doing on the sideline. Probably your DCs come and you say, "Hey, I need this guy for this." And I, the coach is like, "I don't care. Just give me the list of names. We can't. You have this many this week." So there's no way that the coaching staff did not know that he was on the sideline. And if nobody else on the sideline knew who the hell he was, it's it's going to be uh it's going to be weird so right and that's what's crazy man I, I, that is the beauty of it all and i think that's what makes it so much you know so interesting and of course you know that game's in east lansing on a friday night so that's a very very easy trip with michigan at home the next day in ann arbor 
So that's obviously what happened there. Um, I'm for, I firmly believe that, uh, because they had East Carolina. I'm that's uh, no, no need to worry about them though. They only put up 30, but let's get to the game prediction. You, Kevin, think, Harbaugh you, think? Was the, you think Harbaugh was in the stands? Cause he was suspended from Michigan at that time. So. Well, <laughs> the plot thickens any, any, anything's possible. He was working his sticks high school games. Who knows? All right. Uh, let's see. Side bet last week was over. You had the over 185 rushing yards. Uh, Penn State only had 132. So we're back tied four and four game prediction. Let's see weather and weather and spread high of 66, low of 39. It is a 3:30 PM kick. So probably low sixties to start high fifties into the forties at the end of the game, three mile an hour wins with a 3% chance of rain. Penn state is eight and a half point favorite with over under a 50 and a half points. I have Penn state winning 38 to 13. I have Penn state winning 45 to seven. 45 to seven. It is. All righty. Uh, I have a couple upsets. I don't know if you want to entertain them. I think Texas A&M could get it done on the road in oxford mississippi even though i'm not a fan of jimbo fisher i think he can go in and get it it's only a three-point game kansas state on the road in austin against texas texas is only a four-point home favorite that is concerning uh, 23-7 matchup there and oklahoma's on the road oklahoma state bedlam stuff gets weird in stillwater man I've never been there, but but things can get weird. Uh, that's that's a game to circle, especially since OU lost last week in the and it was in the elements on the road. But they got to go back to back weeks on the road, and finally LSU Alabama could be an absolute game. That's on seven forty five on CBS. Brian Kelly is searching to be the first person, first coach to beat um, Saban in back to back years since he was at Michigan State. Uh, Kansas State, Texas is a big noon kickoff on Fox, so that'll be before the Penn State game. Texas A&M and Ole Miss is ESPN at noon, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, concurrent with the Penn State game is Missouri, Georgia. That'll be a fun one. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is also concurrent with Penn State. So if Penn State game gets a little sideways, as we're predicting, uh, maybe we can flip around and channel surf. But I like Kansas State to pull an upset this week against Texas. That's a big noon game. That's right. That's... Big noon. Texas is in Austin. I like Kansas State. I think that could be, if they come off the bus ready, that could be one. Yeah. But Kevin, what's our side bet this week? I want to go to Leah over under one and a half turnovers. Or if you're not comfortable with that, we go two and a half. I go. I'm like, I like over your first one. Over one and a half? Yes. Do you want to go over under three and a half and take the under? I would be comfortable with that. Yes. All right. Over. All right, you want the under of three and a half. Yes. Talia under three and a half turnovers. Can we do quarterback turnovers in general? Should he get injured? Um. Yeah, that's fine. All right. We'll do that. Or just Maryland offensive turnovers in general. Um, we'll go uh, three, tu- three turnovers is a lot. They've not done that. This Penn State's not done that this year. Yeah, no, I th- we're fine where we're at. All right. But that's enough 
talking about this week, it is on to Maryland. It is all set for a batch, matchup in College Park. I will be broadcasting a high school game on Friday night. I will be at St. Francis for their game against LIU, uh, the Sharks. So I will not be in attendance in College Park this weekend. Joe Smelter and Brandon Walker will have you covered from Nittany Sports Now, as well as Matt Lynch, who will be taking pictures. Kevin, any last words? I'll also be I'll be in a wedding this weekend, so I will not be able to watch the game live. Full weddings overrated. Be careful. You had one too. I know that this weekend, this week, weekend, last year, next week. Yeah. Ne- next weekend, Maryland weekend. anniversary. Yes. It's not the same weekend, but the date is a little different, but for Kevin quickly, this has been Jared Prigo reminding you to tell your friends, please stop having fall weddings unless it's on a bye week on the Nittany sports now network and lashing out. We'll talk to you again next week.